Allow me to read uh, from the passage in which today's preaching is based. It's also found in page 8 in your bulletins. And the passage comes from Matthew chapter 6, and I'll be reading from verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans... Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I am one of the pastoral interns at this church. Four years ago, I walked through those doors, and man, I would have never thought I'd be preaching in front of you guys, because four years ago, I was making a transition out of church, out of Christianity, because I wanted to live my life the way I wanted to. Now, to stand here in front of you guys, to preach, to give back to the community that helped me to love my God again, I just want to say thank you. Now, before I begin, will you join me in prayer? Father, John 3.30, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. As I am standing in front of the church that I love, will you speak through me your message and your love for the people? As I'm standing here, um, I'm, still, I'm very anxious, Lord, but it's not about me. So I pray that there will be less of me and more of you as this sermon continues. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For the past few months, we've been going through a sermon series called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the the main message of the Sermon on the Mount was what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety and what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, in the midst of it. As I was preparing my sermon, one of the first things that came to my mind, one of the first questions was, what is so bad about anxiety? I know we don't like it. I know we don't want to feel it, but what's so bad about it? What, where's the sin? And in my research, in my studies, I came across a book by David Pallison, one of, the, one of a famous uh, biblical counselor he, who passed away recently, unfortunately. But he left an, an impact in my heart in this book because he said anxiety could actually be a good thing. He says, anxiety is like a red light flashing on your car's dashboard. When the check line, engine light goes on, you know something is wrong with your car. 
You don't know exactly what's wrong, but you do know that it's time to visit the mechanic. Anxiety is, we are all anxious people. Some of us, you guys are like me, who is anxious about everything all the time. While some of us, uh, maybe not so much. Maybe we're worried about certain things here and there, but we'll get by. We're like, whatever. But just because we don't feel it as much, and just because it doesn't come to us as powerfully, it doesn't mean the red light is not flashing. Now, given that anxiety is in all of us, let's then try into what our text says and what our spiritual mechanic has to say about our anxiety. I got three points for you guys. First, the cause of our anxiety. Second, the cure for our anxiety. And the third, praying out our anxiety. The cause, the cure, and the prayer. First point, the cause. Verse 25 starts with therefore. Now, last week, if you guys weren't here, Pastor Donnie uh, talked about money, talked about treasures. In verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We store money because we want security, power to be able to get what we need, what we want. But Jesus says the greatest treasure that anyone can ever know is now with you. Therefore, do not be anxious about food and clothes. First, food is, is a mighty, you know, it represents life. You need to eat and digest the food in order for you to survive. Now, in clothes, they cover us. In a cold day, it keeps us warm. And a hot day, like, you know, like today, it keeps us cool. Now, food and clothes are an essential part of our lives, and we do need it. But Jesus tells us not to be anxious. Verse 26, his first argument is, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Farming, back in the day, that's how they, you know, ate. Like, farming takes a lot of energy. They have to sow, they need to reap, and they need to store. Birds don't do any of that. They just look for food. They, they fly over things, and then when there is food, they just get it. And Jesus is basically saying, even they get fed. They don't work as hard as you do. Are you not much more value than they? And now, inherently, we know that. We understand that. But we start doubting when, you know, things that we think are valuable in our life, we don't get it. That's the anxiety. See, food doesn't just sustain us. It satisfies us. For most of us, lack of food is not a problem. If anything, we eat too much. You know, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that. And uh, so, I mean, let's, let us think about food in terms of what satisfies us. Maybe beauty. Maybe romantic relationship. Maybe is approval of others. You know, we try so hard to get it because what value is there in my life if we don't have it? That's why in verse 27, Jesus says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Because we want what is valuable for us. So much, we worry. We worry because we're, we're scared that we won't have what we need, or we will lose something that we already have. Jesus, his argument continues, though, in verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Now, clothes don't just cover us either. Depending on the brand that you wear, it gives us a different image. Wearing a good brand clothing, driving a high-class car, carrying a fancy bag, you know, when we have these things, it gives us almost a higher status, doesn't it? All of us work hard towards something. We try so hard to gain, to go up in our social ladders, even within a church setting. We try to do everything we can to be, you know, somebody that's great, to be respected and cherished. In Second Chronicles 9, there's a list of King Solomon's like, riches, his treasures. Everything that he owned was gold. He said silver wasn't even that important back then. In verse 22, it says, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Some say that even in today's standard, he would have been a billionaire. So King Solomon reached the highest of his career. He reached the highest of his status, and he, he has nowhere else to climb. But Jesus says what? In verse 29, it says, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Jesus is saying the best clothes that money can buy, the best status that one can earn, even if you are a king, is nothing like what I can give you. Now, I just want to step back and, and just affirm, food and clothes, these aren't bad things. I'm not trying to say these are, you shouldn't, like you need it right? You need food to survive. You need clothes to cover you. But the problem is they won't fully satisfy us either. They won't completely cover us. What happens when things that we work so hard for is in jeopardy? We get anxious. Isn't that the reason why we constantly worry about what other people might think of us, even though some of us, we grew up with each other? We want to hold on tight the identity that we've built for ourselves. We want to be known as smart, capable, respectable, dependable, sociable. That's why we value wealth and competence. But when we don't have it, we fall into shame. Look, I should have that job. I should have those type of friends. I should have this, that. And ultimately, these things that we work so hard for won't give us what we actually need. So why is it so hard for us to believe that? Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. You know, I used to think, you know, when I was anxious, I got to work harder. I got to pray harder. I got to read more scripture. He says, oh, you have little faith. I need to get more. But if you notice, Jesus doesn't say no faith. Jesus says little faith. You see, our anxiety doesn't stem from a lack of faith. In fact, is putting too much faith on things that is not God. Because our anxiety is not a byproduct of having no faith, but having tremendous amount of faith in things that are little. Anxiety is really our misplaced faith. We invest our treasures into what this world has to offer. Last week, the whole point of our, that sermon was about storing up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in to steal. But we inherently know that when we rely on food and clothes, those are some, some of the things that could, you know, leave us. There's no real security, anxiety. So this brings us to the next point because, I mean, what can I work, you know, if I can't work hard to, for my faith, if I can't work out my anxiety, uh, what can I do? And I want to suggest that we 
can change the object that we put our faith in. We can change the direction of our faith. This brings me to my second point, the cure for our anxiety. Verse 31 says, So do not worry saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. It says, Therefore, because I value more than the birds and the lilies in the field, do not be anxious. For even the pagans run after these things. Now, honestly, I, I run after these things. So this verse was pretty hard for me to swallow because if I run after these things, what does that make me? It says the pagans run after these things. And I think this goes back to the misplaced faith that we have. There's unbelief in all of our hearts. So here, before we go in to the cure, I just want to say the, gospel, the cure for our anxiety is for everyone, whether you think you believe or not. The cure for all our anxiety is in verse 33. It says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Brother, sister, for me, I don't know about you guys, but it's impossible for me to seek God's kingdom first. It's always my kingdom come, my will be done. We try to be the center of our kingdom and have God be part of it, rather than have God be in the center and us be part of him. This all starts out with Adam's failure. I have to go back to Genesis 3 because Gen- uh, Adam, when he ate from the fruit that he wasn't supposed to, he got himself kicked out of the garden. He lost the security that he had in the garden. His failure became our failure, thus his worries to feed and to close himself became our worries, our anxiety. But in Matthew 26, there was another man in the garden, a perfect man that never sinned, This man always sought after God's kingdom first. But unlike Adam, this man, at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was anxious. He was so anxious that he sweated blood. Why was he so anxious? What was he anxious about? In verse 39, it says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Three times he called out to God, begging him this phrase, let it pass from me, let it pass from me, let it pass from me. Jesus was anxious about receiving the full wrath of God. The irony is, while our misplaced faith led us to our anxiety, Jesus, his great faith, led him to the cross to die for our sin. Why would he do that for us, the faithless, the one that constantly go after foods and clothes so that we might be invited back into the paradise? On the cross, he cried out, I thirst, but he would be not fed. On the cross, he was naked, but he would not be clothed. On the cross, he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No answer. He did all this so that we can be set free from our anxiety to perform, to feel accepted, to be loved and cherished, because Jesus, in his perfection, received our greatest nightmare so that we can receive more than we can ever dream of. In Adam, his failure became our failure. In Jesus, his success became our success. In Adam, his nakedness became our nakedness. But in Jesus, his nakedness became our righteousness. In Adam, his loss of security became our anxiety. But in Jesus, his loss became our cure for all our worries. 
So the cure for anxiety is to have faith. What little we have to offer in Him, in His perfect work that He has done for us. Because in Him, there is our worth. In Him, our treasure. In Him, our values. For Jesus, the greatest treasure in heaven was not treated as valuable so that you and I can be treated as valuable. How much more valuable are you than the birds in the air and the lilies on the field? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you because the more you seek in his direction, the more you'll be aligned with the gospel and all these things will be added to you. If you guys believe this, if you guys trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it will help us to deal with our anxiety. Which leads me to my third and last point, praying out our anxiety. Recently, we went through a mini-series on the Lord's Prayer. In the series, uh, we went verse by verse on what it means to truly pray to God. Anxiety, we will have to come face-to-face with our greatest nightmares. Jesus tells us that we can combat our anxieties by going back to the Lord's Prayer during our sufferings. And let me explain. In verse 32, it says, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The first line, the way that uh, the Lord's Prayer starts, is our Father who art in heaven. Some of us, um, we don't know what it means to have a good Father. Because even though they might have provided for us, they were never here. Some of us, like me, I actually thought being a good Father was you have to provide. Because that's what my dad did, and that's all I knew. But the more I look at the Heavenly Father, I realize a good father is not just someone who provides, although that is important. It's someone that is available, someone who's there, someone who wants to listen to you, who wants to be with you. In our anxiety, it says, our Father who are in heaven, our Father, he wants to hear your problems. When we're anxious, he wants to listen to you. And we could go to him as our king who could make a difference in our heart. Second, 33, it says, To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the second line of the Lord's Prayer goes, Your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. When you're anxious about where you're going in your life, and about your career, your, your status, and you know, ultimately what's going to happen to my life in the future. You can pray to God saying, let your kingdom come and let your will be done because that takes away a lot of pressure. You know, this, this verse helped me a lot as I was preparing for the sermon. Man, if it was up to me to bless you guys, I'd be so screwed. <laughs> to, to give all the power to Jesus to bless you, it gives me a lot of comfort and I think it will, be, it will give you guys comfort. Verse 34, and I want to end with this verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Though the rest of the Lord's Prayer is on petition, give us today our daily bread. Now, our life is filled with anxiety because we are looking at tomorrow. Some of us are wondering, who am I going to get married with later? Who am I going to grow old with? Who's going to be with me? And sometimes I think of that too. And then I think of Jesus, how he was single for all his life. And I, right? And he's telling you guys, let's be together first before you look for somebody else. Put your faith in me. For some of us, we're, 
worried about future. What is, where is our career headed? What is my children going to, you know, how are they going to grow up to be? I know a lot of non-believers who, I don't know, they grew up in the church that doesn't go back to the church anymore. Will my children be like that? I don't know, but I know somebody who does. And I trust that even though Jesus doesn't give you what you think you need, he will give you what you actually need. So we could go to him in our anxiety for our daily bread because we could put our trust in him. So last thing before uh, I go out your way and enjoy our Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, one great way to practice praying through our anxiety is to do it in the context of community. In this church, there are many people who are anxious about their life. Uh, anxious because of broken relationship, because of their career. Anxious because of their family. So as a brother, I want to encourage us to pray for one another by sharing our anxieties to people we trust as we walk side by side. Set our eyes on Jesus and turn our face back towards him. Will you join me in prayer? Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.